So um, we thought we'd do this one by, by just because um, some of the board members don't know you, haven't had a chance to, to get to know you yet, to, to have sort of an informal conversation. And then we have a, a list of questions that we're going to ask both you and Scott the exact same question. So you, John. John. Uh, John. Uh, <laughs> Freudian slip. Uh, um, and both you and John, um, same questions so that you know, people can compare them side by side. All right. So then we won't put the videos up until after both of you have done them. You know, so that, that no one will have a chance to see the questions ahead of time. Uh, we we thought though, and that we might ask you, and uh, to just start with kind of an opening statement. Also, uh, and I was asking specifically for that because you know some of us just haven't met you at all, and yes. we just really like to hear a little bit about who you are and what you're looking to do. Okay. Sorry, Jack. Yeah. So. In uh, John's won't be until Thursday, so after that we'll put the videos up. So, if you want to just uh, uh, make a, a, an opening statement and talk about yourself, and we'll just do an informal. Anybody has questions and things like that? Sure. You know. Right. My name is my uh, biological name is Charles Perry Jr. I'm known as Charlie Perry. I prefer that name. I prefer Charlie. When I'm in trouble at home, my wife calls me Charles. <laughs> the uh, was born and raised in New Bedford, Massachusetts. Uh, other than five years, I moved to LA. My mom wanted a, a little change, so she moved us to LA, Los Angeles, California. Stood there for three years. Uh, the gang life in California was pretty tough. I uh, I just wanted to play football, basketball, so I called my dad. He was in Florida. I went down there for two years. At those two years, I was homesick, and I said, I want to come back home. So I came back to New Bedford and graduated from New Bedford High School, which I'm a very proud whaler. I love it. Uh, two years out of high school, I needed a change. Thought about the U.S. Army, U.S. Navy. Was about 16, maybe 18 hours away from getting sworn in with the U.S. Army, and then Captain Eugenio called me. He said, "Do you want to still be a police officer?" And I said, "Yes." He said, "Well, we have a cadet program," and I took that, and I never turned back. 30 years later, I'm still here, close to my retirement. I'm married with children. I'm also a grandfather of five. I. Uh, very proud of that. Uh, let's see, I served on several boards, the executive board for the NAACP, the executive board for Real Serious, um, the executive board for the Cape Verdean uh, Association in Bedford, and uh, volunteered a lot of work with the recognition committee for the uh, Cape Verdean Parade. Those are the things that I do. I coach many years. Uh, at Bishop Stang High School, New Bedford High School, Bishop Conley High School, uh, Keith Middle School, and a couple of AAU teams. So, what what is Real Series, uh, John? It's a it's um what they do is uh it's a local agency with Yvonne uh, Bass, right out of the Quest Building on Purchase Street, um, and they produce videos. Kids, it's kids project. They do is they produce videos of famous people within New Bedford. Um, they did Andre McCoy, they 
did a few others. Um, during my time, it was Andre McCoy, who I actually wrote a book about. Um, so still standing the Andre McCoy story. I did that. Uh, so real serious is the grassroots. They get grants, have a lot of money. Ethan Wise, uh, his building is where? It's right up Johnny K. Kill. He's over there, business owner. And uh, uh, very interesting uh, board program organization. They get kids involved from all over the city, all over the county. And uh, I was very proud to be there. I was there for a year. Uh, let's see. My platform is basically uh, public safety, education. I think we need to review that. As far as leadership, the uh, taxes are going up constantly, year in, year out. It's actually going to rise again in 2018. Um, from what I understand, there's a, a levy on the city that's going to cause the raise of taxes. So that's 40 years in a row that our city residents are going to be going through that. The infrastructure, road work, every time you, you go down a street here, north end, south end, west end, you see half of the streets paved. What I call it is a, you have a 50-50 chance that your side of the street will get paved. And I don't know why that's happening, but it shouldn't happen. If people or companies are doing work in the city, they should pave the street from curb to curb. It may be only 30 yards, it may only be 20 yards, but at least it looks decent from the curb to curb. When you go all the way down the street and see that it's 50-50, it's clear asphalt, and then there's, there's potholes on the other side. How do you see the damage on this side and not see the damage on the left side? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, um, the other thing is I understand we had an opportunity to, uh, to bring in Amazon and we lost it. We lost it for some reason. I'm trying to get to the bottom of the line of that and I'm gonna to talk to the people at Amazon and find out. We're not bringing it, we're not, we're not applying? But well, from what I understand, the plant that's in Fall River may have just been, it could have been here too. So I wanna find out what stopped oh, the, the, the distribution plant. Yes, so. Um, so you're not talking about the new Amazon headquarters, no, the proposal that's this currently. would be the, the current yeah. uh, distribution plant for River off of 24. Okay. So, um, let's see. Well, that's all I have right now. Um, you had mentioned once before that you had always wanted to be made. Can you talk about a little bit about that? What, what your why you had wanted to be mayor? And sure. It started as, a, as basically a joke between family and friends. I said, you know everybody, you should run for mayor. So every now and then when there was something happening in the city, I would put on my Facebook page, Charlie Perry for mayor or someone else would do that. And uh, it was a joke. And, and then I really started thinking about it. I said, oh, why can't I? We elected a mayor that was unemployed. So why shouldn't I try it? Thought about it, thought about it. I said, I'll wait until my pension kicks in and, and where I don't really have to worry about that and uh, I'll do it in four years from here, from this date. That was my plan. As things gone, continued through 2016, 
things were looking kind of unsteady around here, kind of upsetting me with all the things that I talked about. And, and also listening to the concerns and, and uh, desires of city residents through, through my Facebook or when I'm riding around in a cruiser and things they talk about. And I said, you know what, I think I should put my name in the hat. So I did. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot I can offer. For one, I listen. And I think that's not going on with the administration. I also can get along. I'm a team player. And city council and the city administration are not getting along. So I would I would actually be an improvement on that part. A lot of the city councilors and candidates I have friendships with um, or great association with. So stepping into into the arena and being placed behind that desk at City Hall would be, there would be no delay in our communication and how we communicate. Um, so that's what I offer. Um, I know I, I won't have people going through four or five people just to get to me. Um, I don't, I, I, I have a couple of minutes to talk to someone and say, look, let's do something. We'll set something up and we'll talk one on one. I don't know this person. Did, did I'm sorry, my name is Jack Ramos. I apologize for being a few minutes late. I'm yes. community board member. You're the community board. Yes, I am. I'm Jasper Lane. Oh, yes. Okay. So does anybody else have any questions that they want to ask uh, at this portion? Okay. Good. I was just curious about the Amazon. Uh, where, why, why do you think that, you know, it could have been, I guess, where did that kind of your perk ears up? City Council approached me this, this weekend and I told me that that could have been ours. Um, and uh, City Hall, probably not the City Council, had uh, watched that. So I want to find out. I'm trying to, it's definitely a reliable person, someone that's a lot of experience in City Council. So uh, I'm working on that, and I definitely will confirm that 100%. The uh, the levy I'm working for I'm waiting for an answer on that. There is a levy on the city that's which is going to cause a tax hike in 2018. So I'm going to put something in writing and ship it to the assessor's office so I can get concrete pads on that. On that. So, uh, Open to any questions you have. All right. So I could talk forever, but I'd rather address your questions that you have. Okay. So um, we have these, I think we have six or seven questions, so I'll start with one and talk as long as you want. Um, what is your strategy for economic development in New Bedford? What are the best locations for developing jobs, and how could it be done? Okay. With, uh, with the development of, of economics and business, we first have to address the crime issue. If crime rate is high and they're saying it's down, what we have to do is address that. No one's going to invest thousands and thousands of money to come into this city until we straighten out that matter. There is a lot of vacancies and a lot of vacancies in buildings throughout 
the city from the south end to the north end that could where small businesses can come in big businesses can come in but they're not they've been vacant for years numerous years so I think the, 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 the first solution to that is to solve this crime problem we definitely have to do that the crime of crimes here and we don't straighten it out they're not gonna come and uh, so you know, there's a lot of different areas. The industrial park is developed and undeveloped, underdeveloped, I mean, underdeveloped. So there's a lot of space there where we can work on. Uh, I know there was uh, brainstorms about the golf course. Definitely don't think that we should be touching that golf course at all because it's in the area of two overpasses. And what you do is you can build four lanes leading out of the, out of the golf course four lanes, it's only going to get bottlenecked to two lanes where the overpasses is. We can't get rid of that. We won't be able to remove those overpasses. They're there for a reason because they're along Route 140. Only, you can't change it. How are you going to reroute two routes? It's not, it's not possible. It is possible, but the whole area is going to change. So if you're going up the hill, you're going to go to overpass. If you go down the hill, you're going to go to another overpass. So what I would look at is, is vacant areas. I know there's certain schools in the area, vacant schools, that could be utilized. If you utilize that space for businesses, it's going to produce a tax revenue. That square footage may be twenty to forty thousand dollars yearly to the city. If you, you know, instead of the city just sitting on those properties like the Dunbar School, why don't you sell it and give it to someone else? that does is produces jobs, produces revenue for this area. I would like to have some trade schools from one in the south end, one in the center, and one in the north end, like UTI, building small engines, stuff like that, maybe a computer tech school. If you place those in the schools, what happens is a kid or a young person, or people, period, residents that want to go to school, but they don't want to go to college. They want to go to a trade school. So what that does, it's bus route. You jump on a bus, you can go wherever you want. UTI, um, I'm pretty sure those business, those schools, would, institutions would come into the city and take over Dunbar School, take over the uh, Phillips Ave School, or any other vacant school, the Taylor School. You take those over, they'll say, yeah, we'll put a, we'll put a lab here or there. And what that does is that's foot traffic in that area. Instead of the Phillips schools being a haven for people to use drugs here and there, now you have kids and adults, people, students going in and out of it. So that's one thing I would like to do, or several things I would like to do. Um, Jim, um, yes. any thoughts about uh, developing the, the state pier, um, uh, that area there? The state pier needs to be developed. Um, you, you, you would definitely speak to people that are already in place, like the Chamber of Commerce, the state, and, and see what their brainstorms are. Kind of jump on it, jump on board of it. Jump on board of, of the different ideas that they have for it. This waterfront is unique. We don't have another waterfront like that. There's a reason why it was the number one whaling port. It's because that harbor is so deep. We'd like to have it deeper so we can get more people to come in, more vessels to come in, so they can dock out there 
walk down there or they'll walk into our businesses and eat and clean eat and stay at the hotels there's a lot of there's a lot of good in that harbor so trying to make it better is only going to produce better results for the city and the budget um, so like that the the state hasn't um, dredged the harbor uh, uh, put money forward what would be a strategy for getting money from the state to well, what, you, what you would do is, is, is kind of be proactive with it and continue. Sometimes what you do is you throw things at the state and it goes in a file on the corner. It's going to stay there. But if you keep reminding them on a, on a, on a weekly basis that this is what we, we're still looking for that money. We're still looking for the harbor to be dredged a few more feet here or there. And uh, as you stay proactive, you and your staff, you and your local politicians, if you all stay proactive as a group, and even individually, you still make another phone call. Where you say, hey, Councilor Brian Gomes, did you make that call yesterday? Yeah, I did. Oh, I did too, all right, that's two of us. Uh, Senator Montigny, did you make that call for, uh, for that dredging project? Yes, I did, okay, good. So now you have a group of people constantly asking for that money for our city. This is why we're voted in. So when you, when you take the lead on it, like a mayor, you, you stepped up to the plate and you talk to those individuals and see what they're doing. And, and make them accountable, because if they're not asking for the water, the, the harbor to be dredged, then they're not looking at the big picture for New Bedford. Did anyone else want to? What about the potential for offshore wind here? Curious what you think about that. Um, I'm all for it. I, for one, I, I, I love it something that needs to happen we're also as when you, when you talk about the wind farms there was some controversy about the fishing vessels and the wind farm and but they're already getting along they already see that this is a this is a need it's a necessity and it's something that everyone's trying to go green in the whole country the whole world um, so why not New Bedford why not help out with the wind farm why not be a pro advocate for that it's needed and also be a pro advocate for the fishing fleet because guess what? We're the whaling, whaling city and we're number one constantly for decades about our fishing industry. So, and, and there's some restrictions on the fishing industry and we're still number one. We're still complying with the industry, with the restrictions and we're still coming out number one. And that means a lot. What that does is that new veterans can adapt to restrictions and sanctions and so on and so forth. They can adapt to them. And they adapted to them and they're still producing number one results. In the last question you just said that you would you know you would press for more uh, lobbying legislators and others to try to get that money for dredging the harbor. Do you think the current administration is not doing enough of that um, and, and working to try to get you know, things done and improvements made in the harbor? I, I, I want to, I mean, give them credit, I don't know. What I want to, what I, what I feel is that if they were doing it, it would be done already because it's been asked for several years mm -hmm. now. So if you were asking for it to be done, and it's 2017, I think there was, I think 2013 or 14, that's when the question started appearing. 
those are the articles that I see. So it's been that far. And that is actually the administration of Mayor John Mitchell. So I would have to say it shouldn't take that long. I can understand a year because maybe you didn't put your paperwork or maybe you wasn't pressing soon enough. But the following year and years after, there should be no excuse. So uh, you're not saying that he hasn't made the proposal? No, I, I, I can't say that. I don't want to. But right. I, I know I've seen articles early in the early during his administration. So if they uh, were asking back then, why isn't it done now in 2017? Dr. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to circle back to your response to the very first question. It was on my mind, and you, you started answering it. I'd like to hear more. Immediately upon asking you about economic development, you quickly said, we've got to address crime. Yes. And that interested me. So I'm wondering, is there more to your answer? What would be the ideal partnerships that would, you know, would tackle these issues head on and, and create sustainability so that we get done with this to the extent humanly possible? It's everywhere. But we have to work in partnerships. I'm wondering what we have to what your thoughts are on partnering around these kinds of things for the benefit? When when addressing crime, you have to partnership with a, with several things, several agencies. One is the police. One is the district attorney's office. And and secondly, you you what you do is you there is networking with judges where you can kind of speak to judges as a whole and address them and understand. That we don't want to, everyone has a right to bail, everyone has a right to legal counsel, so on and so forth. But it gets to the point when it's habitual school of, uh, say school offender, sorry, that's, that's my years at school resource officer. Um, with, with habitual offenders, we have the heart offender list at a district attorney's office. They have hearings and they talk about people that are committing violent crimes. So they're trying to do what they can. So those partnerships are established. What, what I would do is actually make sure that those agencies and my agency and my city are actually doing the right thing. I don't want people to just go to a meeting to tie up each other for an hour and a half and then there's no results. Um, community policing is something that I always talk about. Community policing can do this because what happens is community police officers will walk in the areas that need to be done. They're gonna walk and they're gonna talk, they're gonna ride, they're gonna rest, they're gonna communicate, they're gonna do things, they're gonna address landlords that are not taking care of properties. It's all something, and, and it all reverts back to the police. And the reason why I'm saying this is because I worked this city under the community police unit I wasn't a community police officer, but I see what they did during that time. The city of New Bedford was at its safest point when community policing was full. You had CP 11, but you have Unit 11 that would come to the Standard Times and take a, a report here. While CP unit, the CP unit is down at the bus terminal talking to people that are homeless, talking to people that may have some problems, talking to business owners. Community police 
key to all of this. And if I don't, you know, I don't want to be, I'm pro-police, but I know what it can do. I'm speaking through my knowledge, and I know what it can do. Um, unlike others that may not know it, it, what community policing can do for this. So uh, partnership is key, and I know what you're saying, and I know things that can be key to that partnership, and it doesn't cost us. It's not going to cost the city money. The budget's already in place for 26 to 36 officers. What you do is you allow those officers to go through academy. They graduate in the academy, then they come back on the street. During that probation period, that's 26 officers on the street. What you do is you implement the community police unit and you start plugging in in different areas. We have one in the south and one in the center, one in the north. That's not going to fix new graphics problems at all. Um, so those crime is very key. It's very key because I speak to people in Boston that had die of more problems than we had here. They have the gang issue, they have the homeless, and they addressed the gang problem in Dorchester. And what they did was able to fix a lot of problems in Columbia Point, so on and so forth, but they did it through the community police. And that's what I wanted to do. Chad, do you have some concerns about the way Chief Cadello is going about community policing? It's, he, he's number one in line. You know, it's the mayor and it's him. I mean, he's number two in line. So the mayor's always gonna make decisions. Chief Cadero can suggest things to the mayor and it's up to the mayor to implement it or okay it. Um, I think what they're doing is, 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 is just giving us a little Band-Aid. We have community outreach initiatives where we go into neighborhoods, we talk to people as individuals. But being in a car like Unit 31, I'm going to sign off as a, a community outreach initiative and go talk to business owners. But that also just keeps me right there. And it keeps me, it, it just stops me from doing my routine work, like reports and stuff I have to do. So you do an hour here in the morning, you do an hour in the afternoon, that's two hours off my shift. But what the administration would do is tell me, you have those two reports to do that you have to do, whether it's domestic, whether it's an arrest, you need to get those done before you leave today. It's at 4 o'clock, 3.45. 4 o'clock is Charlie Perry time. 4 o'clock is Michelle Perry time. 4 o'clock is John Clark time. That's time I need to go and meet with my family. But the city just restricts me, so I have to stay at work. So I have to do it. So now my family gets delayed. When I, if I had those two hours during my work shift, I would have my work done. I can do the community outreach on my own very easily. So, all fairness to Chief Cadero, he can only implement what his boss allows him to. So there's a community outreach that the mayor is, is asking Cadero to do. What does that consist of? That's taking up time. What that consists of is that a police unit would call off, say, 11 o'clock to 11:30. That's not the real time, but any time during the shift, they would call off for 30 minutes and walk 
around the North Front Street area. What that is, is that's perceived as a community policing um, way. So what that does is that justifies that they're doing whatever they can. All it does is, all it is is a call of service, but it's gonna say community outreach initiative. So what that does is when the city and the police department produce it to whatever grant or whatever agencies um, giving them more money for the community policing, they'll say, look, we have 100 calls of community police initiatives in the city. We're trying to make this, we're trying to do the right thing. When all it, all, all it is, it's going to be a police officer on the corner talking to someone, and it's the high crime areas, a lot of people are not talking to you in the public because they're going to perceive you as a snitch. And then when the police officer drives down the road, you may get a call back, or they may just say, oh, I'm going to take the busted nose and the busted lip, or I'm going to take someone robbing me. I'm not, I'm not talking to the police again. So it's, uh, and now if you had the community police unit, now that officer can look talk to say, hey Jack, I'm gonna, I said, I'll meet up with you. I'm your community police officer, I'll go meet with you. I'll go to your house. Oh, don't come with the cruiser, don't come with the cruiser. Guess what, I'll come to your house. I'll be in the jeans and t-shirt, I'll go to your house. You'll tell me your concerns. That's what community police does. The way they're doing with the initiative, the community outreach initiative, it's always with a cruiser in front of your house. It's always with a, an officer with a, with a uniform on so it's, it's okay um, but we've been doing that on our own I think it's just stat driven that's all it is if you produce the stats then you can give the federal government or the state your stats and they're gonna see 500 calls of service in a six months period or on a daily basis or shift basis yeah they're doing the right thing when all in all it's not the most effective was that the walk and talk program? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I love that. It's it's both. It's actually two things: the community outreach initiative, and then there's a walk and talk. So it basically, you you can call off in either one, and there's directed patrols. They're good for stats, but it's not good for the city. Um, it's, it needs to be part of the solution. It, you just can't use that as a 30-year veteran of New Bedford Police. You need a little bit more. A whole lot more. And is, you, is that a mayor thing or is that a Cordero? That's uh, Chief Cordero initiated it once he was appointed as chief of police, and we've been doing it ever since. There should be something every shift with a, with a we call it a coy. So if a police officer says I'm on a coy, that's what it is. It's community outreach initiative, and uh, but it, there could be better results. I like the way that you're describing it. It has that true community feel, kind of doing it on your own. Are there restrictions that make that difficult, particularly with the union system and the police department, or is that something that really you think you could actually implement without running into those types of yeah, issues? Yeah, you can implement. We already had it, so it's you just did. looking and reviewing everything that we had before, and just say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna cut and paste, put in the contract, to do it. It's 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 easy. To, quick, easy um, 
fix. It's it's pro-union, me being a union member. I'm all for it, along with many others. What it does is it, 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 gives an, it gives us another area to work in. It gives us another assignment to have. You all want to, we all want options. End of the year we say, hey, I want to bid for this. Or even during the year, this gives us a better option or, or more options more more assignments to bid on so. and if the money is there and I think you're probably correct because I know the police have about five hundred fifty thousand dollars in excess budget yes. at the budget meetings why aren't the uh, why aren't they being hired what was what's taking so long to get those 28 to 36 officers um, well the, the pay is uh, the pay is, if you can make a lot of money on the job, but you have to work many, many hours to get that money. Someone that owns a business that may be a contractor, electrician, they, they may get a high score on a job, but they say, wow, that's a pay cut. How am I gonna, I have a big house. I have a four acre lot and uh, I have to pay for it. Um, I don't think I'm gonna take the job. So. People refuse to take the job because it is a pay cut. We have steps, you know, five steps. And for your first five years, it goes up until your fifth year, you're at max. You can't get any higher than that other than contract negotiations. Um, some, basis, some, some other reasons are people don't qualify. They have a criminal record. They can't get put on the job. And, uh, and then there's other opportunities other police agencies looking for them also. So they may choose to go somewhere else. We had 31 applicants for the time police. That's New Bedford police officers applying for time police. They want to leave. They want a lateral. They signed off on three people already. But there's, many, there's eight spots. As a, as a person in Taunton, if I was in Taunton, I would look at it. I'm going to get eight officers from New Bedford. That's $3,000 I'm going to save instead of putting someone in the academy. That's $24,000 on the save Taunton Mass. Guess what? Take them. And the, the guys and girls that are applying for those jobs are very qualified have any blemishes in their record so there's no reason why the mayor or the chief could sign off on them. You mentioned that 31 officers department uh, the other day when I talked to you. How do you know that figure? Um, based on uh, the union and other and other and agencies that have, I mean uh, personnel that have applied for it. I didn't think it was that high. I thought it was 21 but I was told 31. The next question, uh, let's stay on crime here for sure. a while. Uh, how should the city attack the current murder spike in New Bedford? Why has it happened? What about crime in general? How do we keep it under control in struggling neighborhoods? We talked a little bit about that with um, the community policing, but we do have this spike uh, this year yes. in murder. We had double murder last week. What's what's that about? Well, from from the murder suspect to the two victims. They're all crime associated, they're gang affiliated with. 
So there's going to be three forms of retaliation, from two from each victim. Their family and friends are going to retaliate against the defendant. The defendant's family is going to is going to respond. What that's going to do is that's going to produce possibly, God forbid, but there's going to be some other fatalities coming up. So the spike is there, but the spike's going to increase. You have to have some kind of outreach to speak to the to people. When that murder happened, there were some mistakes being made. And one of the mistakes I seen was, yeah, they had the detectives and the state police and the CPAC unit out there. But they didn't have the gang unit out there. Why wouldn't you have the gang unit there at ground zero? They have, they have um, concrete um, intelligence, so why don't you have them involved initially at the very beginning? What they're going to do is they're going to curb a lot of things. So if it's gang-related, we have to get the proper divisions involved, like the gang unit. And what we have to do is kind of concentrate on those areas. All, all three of those gentlemen, I know. And they come from decent, decent families. But they're stuck in the gang life. And the reason being is we had everything involved to help out those three individuals. But they were unreachable. You gotta understand why were they unreachable? Who missed the boat? Or did they just not listen and care? That's where what we do is set up community centers and community centers in the in the different parts of the city. So people can have a place to go. Teenagers can have a place to go. If you have something that's four to eight at any of these city schools, Gome School, Kearney, Haymack, maybe Normandon, set up some community centers, it will curb that. It will curb it a lot. There's a guy on Pleasant Street I just met. He has Find, find a Star program. And all it is is a big garage. So, former street person, he opened the garage and he has kids go in there. They box, they do some exercising, he's trying to build a little studio. He's trying to do all the things necessary. If this is a resident that's doing this, off of donations from here or there, why can't the city of New Bedford? I don't know if I answered all your questions. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to ask all the police questions at once since we're on that topic. Does that make sense, sure. I think? And one more. Um, how, how do you think the city's police department is functioning? Excellent, good, fair, or poor? What areas are functioning well and what areas could be improved? Okay. I'll start off by saying the morale in the police department is at an all-time 30-year low me and probably 75% of the police department. When 
and morale is low, what it produces is a reactive police officer. And give them a call, give her a call, they're going to react to it. Other than that, they're going to stay put wherever they're at. Not too long ago, we had a proactive police department who was doing everything possible. It was making a lot of people look good. So, it's definitely at a low. Do you have thoughts on why that is? Um, leadership, and leadership from the top one through five, six, they think that uh, you're just granted respect, and they need to earn the respect, and then people will follow. They haven't earned it, so the following is just not there. We're just doing it because we're told to do it, which is sad because you have police officers on this job that would go all, all in and all out for any normal citizen, any citizen period, at a moment's notice. And we'll still do that. If I know someone's maybe overdosing or there's a static, cruises are going at a high rate of speed to get there. They're gonna try to do the best they can to get there. Um, so morale is, is, needs to be fixed. And how you fix that, I don't know, right now. I have a uh, I know how to fix that. We just, they need to gain the respect of the ranks, rank and file, that needs to happen. And until this chief does that, they're not gonna follow him, they're just gonna do what he says, and that's it. Get nothing extra. Um, the high five Fridays, I love that. That's cool, I love it. I love that interaction with the kids. But we do it and then we move on. And but people are doing that. I give out footballs and basketballs and, and it's called my good kid award. I give it up, take money out of my pocket, buy a football, a basketball. I might ask Mr. Clark, hey, you know get good kid in your neighborhood that's playing sports and getting good grades? Yeah, I do. So he tells me a name. I said, all right, let me go talk to the parents, see if I can give them a football or basketball. Parents said, yeah, that's okay. I go in uniform, I give it to them. Tomorrow I'm going to New, uh, New Bedford Willis. I'm in South Bend. I'm going to give them some footballs. Two kids. And I'll move on. Too many times we reward the bad kids for bad behavior. Christmas time, we give them a gift card. Hey, you were bad, but you were good for a week. So we're going to give you a $200 gift card and you go do your Christmas shopping. And the good kids get forgotten. So that's just another good thing. I, I don't want to lose that opportunity. So, but respect needs to be needs to happen in the police department. Um, the title given is a title earned. A lot of commanding officers haven't earned that title yet. Of respect. So a couple of times you've made reference to sort of 
not too long ago we did it this way, not too long ago we did it this way. Are you talking about the administration under Proventure or Teachman or was it Moniz before that? Actually, I can, I can go back as far as... Uh... When was it done the best way, the model way that you were speaking? Did it change when Cordero came on uh, uh, or did it start before then? It, uh, just the last part of, of Chief Prevention's you know, career, it, it was it was starting to fade away a little bit. But before that, all the chiefs prior to that, it's been it was in place in great numbers. Two thousand eight, there's this drastic cut, and that drastic cut, they had to cut probably citywide. They were eliminating positions throughout every agency, every department. Um, I was a casualty. I was an easy casualty. You were laid off? No, actually what happened is I got removed from my assignment at school resource and then put back on the street. And I was number one in seniority. But what made it easy for the administration was that week I got in an argument with my boss. So I went on the street. No big deal. I always stand up for myself. I always stand up. Um, so I did. And result, I was a casualty. So 2008 was it was at its highest level of good policing. Every there was people and, and positions and titles all across the board to help out everybody. We had the great program in the schools, which had a curriculum, three ring binder, this thick, and you went through every single lesson. And you talked about gangs. That curriculum was unbelievable. And, uh, and that was in the school. We started early, elementary school, middle school, and high school. And when you talk about the leadership, one through six, how do you, how do you change that morale? How do you um, have that earn the respect? Well, being elected, going to get elected and people don't see that we see it we know it we talk to everybody when I'm elected what I do is review what's going on review and department heads and leadership and assess what's going on citywide as far as the police department right uh, review I would review all that and say hey you didn't do this you didn't do that had two years to do it. You've had 50 suggestions to do it and you didn't do it. Why didn't you? And you review it. And then what you do is say, all right, I need to put a respectable leader in place so we can get all those other things done right without a strong fist or a heavy hand in front of you to do this. I want these stats. Stop more cars, make more arrests. That's constantly. Nobody wants to see a quota system in this, this area. You don't want to see cruises up and down to just to stop people and give them citations over and over again. Um, but that's what's going on right now. And I Quo quota system of, of you need to issue this many citations. Yes, they just want more citations. 
Our numbers are down. I'm not going to give you a police caruza. You know, these are all things that are going on. Charlie, we've heard that there's a complaint from you against the police department, a potentially a discrimination complaint. Yes. Would you talk a little bit about it? Um, yes, I just... I filed based on a lot of history that I know in 30 years. And, and uh, I was removed from the record room this year. I, I also got suspended um, and removed from the record room from assignment that I have not one complaint. Came to work every day. My supervisor, Lieutenant Resendiz, said you did everything I exactly that I wanted to. Well, when you challenge, and I challenge the chief based on his different things, and, and he was basically, I sent out an email and I said that his inspirational quotes every day is BS. I don't want to say the word, we have ladies and men here, but. I basically told him that his stuff was BS because it talks about character and it talks about being a good person. But you can't, if, if you're, you're gonna practice what you preach, so if you're telling someone to be a good person, then why are you bothering a cancer patient? Why are you removing people from an assignment that's they've been there 10 years? All for the sake of your friends moving on up. And those challenges and those things um, bothered me. So I said exactly what I felt. And a lot of people said I was sticking up for another officer. And I was, I stick up for a lot of people. And what it led to was, it was the truth. Everyone knew it was the truth. Everyone wanted to say what exactly I said, but they couldn't. Of it because of their fear of retaliation. So I spoke up, and the retaliation was to remove me from a unit and put me back on the street to an area that I never worked. I never really worked in North End. So I stand South End person, but they put me there. Um, no problem. I got police work to do, I'll do it. And I did it. Final, and the end result is I found out that Station 3 is good to me. That's my quote every day. They protect me. They honor me. They talk to me. They support me. And uh, So in a way, I'm glad I'm up there. You were removed from where? What the record room. The criminal records bureau. That's where you were working? Yes. Okay. And uh, you say... Um, uh, bothering a cancer patient. You're talking about Captain Floyd? Captain Floyd, yes. And who's the head of the... He's the head of Station 3. That He is no longer there now. And when you're talking about friends moving up, you're talking about the new Station 3 commander, Mr. Mello? Mr. Mello moved up. Um, the other was Sergeant Mello, his wife. Sergeant Mello. Moved into juvenile division. His wife also moved up. Yeah, she just moved to another assignment. That's all. She's still in rank. Still, still under the rank of sergeant. But what happened was uh, the person that was in there, the sergeant, was he, he 
he was heartbroken. He never did anything wrong on the job. He never got in trouble. And he, he said, I can't stay here. I'm not doing anything wrong. Why am I leaving? Why am I getting forced out? I'm getting forced out for the betterment. Uh, I mean, for the benefit of another person. But, 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 but wasn't there some concern that he was not enforcing the community police? Isn't what they said was Captain Flood was not enforcing the community police regulations? And See, and that, that's, yeah. it's interesting. That I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. Huh? It's not that. That may be an excuse. And Lieutenant Paul Demers was very adamant and very strong in making sure that and we did go on our coys. We did do everything that we're supposed to. He was definitely doing that. And he would tell you, and he probably has a very strong record to support that he was doing that. Bottom line is they were trying to force him out, and they've been doing it since 2016. It was, there's an ambition and, and a, a pro, proactive harassment with Captain Dennis Hebert down the south end. And Captain Flood. And all that was was to move two people on the current promotional list to get them promoted. If you look at all the promotions from 2016 to 17 in that list, everything that we were saying is coming true. Dennis Heber is just absorbing it now. He's not going to retire, he's not going to go anywhere, and Captain Flood's not going to what this does is this sickness that he had with cancer. He was already out six months. They didn't promote anybody during that time. It was run by the lieutenants, Lieutenant Demers, and there was no problem. There was no big rush to make someone get someone promoted. But now it's different. Captain floods out, he goes out. Within three weeks, there's a promotion. It's a promotion because the election's coming. After November, city council is just not going to allow Mayor Mitchell or Chief Cadero to push this promotion <clears throat> because it's not right. They, in, in every in every administration, you'll see that the city council stops any kind of measure that the mayor's trying to get through in November and December. They, they always try to stop it. Um, they'll stop this one because they know, or they have a feeling, Charlie Perry may be the next man. Let's do it now. They get my tag to why the council, many of the councils are opposed to the four-year yes. term. Uh, uh, I've had it said to me, and I don't know if it's true, that the South End Station is kind of like the place that's out of control in that previous chiefs have said, okay, so put all the problem people in the South End, mm -hmm. and they can have their little thing. We'll run the city with, with the, the good officers, and we'll just do that, and that this new chief is not willing to do that. Any, is that just bullshit, or is it, excuse um, me? The, the South End officers are senior officers. They're gonna do what they have to, make sure the job's done and they're all senior officers. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. They're used to their own routines 
in their own production and they get things done. Uh, what do you want? they want them to do is, look, no coffee break at 8 o'clock. I want you down on Route 18 to go do what you have to. Go stop cars. Bring your numbers up. Just old people. Old people just trying to do what they can without getting in trouble, without getting suspended. It's like a old reporter. They're going to write what they want. They're going to write the way they want. They don't need some young dude coming in, young lady coming in to say, hey, want you to write it this way. Wait a minute. Sometimes old reporters don't write exactly what they <laughs> So, I'm sorry. Yeah. This, is, this is one thing that I, mean, I forgot. It's giving me a reminder that transparency. I'm very transparent. Like to change the culture that's going on. Stop secret city. You know we get the secret city. No snitching. No doing this. Keep your secrets to yourself. That's been going on too far too long. I don't know how we stop it other than just being more proactive um, and put the right unit in place so we can do that. Um, Charlie. Uh, and and the uh, get it. I see that, and you know, I, I got to try to look people in the eyes. And, and, and this whole campaign is started on grassroots, right from ten bucks from here, from this person, ten from that person. Um, and look, I'm second in the primaries, but I'm second in the primaries because I have a thirty-year history in the city providing the service to, this, to New Bedford. The city has confidence in me. They see me, they have confidence in me. Those numbers, to me, are low. There's no doubt in my mind, I know 15,000 people. I probably coached 2,300 kids. Long enough Sit. to go that they're 18. Huh? Long enough to go that they're 18. Yes, yes, they're all <laughs> If the kids I had at Keith in New Bedford High School, if they voted, I win by a landslide. And a lot of them are voting age. And they keep coming through the door. Every single Two day. Two today. Huh? Five yesterday at headquarters. At your campaign headquarters. And uh, he's already blazed a trail. I can't change him. I'm just wondering, uh, if, since we have a bunch of questions left, if yeah. we can maybe do a little more like limit, like maybe limit the answers sure. to three minutes. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, or uh, just we'll try not to uh, ask something around. Call okay. One of the subjects, too. So. Yeah. Other subjects. Yeah, yes. yeah we've got yes. others here. Okay. So, uh, so let's go, we'll, we'll go off of crime now and look to other subjects. What do you think of the city's problem properties ordinance and how it relates to housing quality and crime? How would you? deal with the city council on this issue. Also, what is working on the issue of affordable housing in New Bedford and what is not working? What is working to address homelessness and what is not working? Um, homelessness is, is, we have to first, that responsibility is lying on 
Catholic diocese. They're providing shelter for us. Why isn't the city doing that? Why, aren't we, why don't we have beds for the homelessness? We don't. Why can't we produce a, a, a facility? There's a church right on County and, and Elm Street. It's not getting used. Try to do something with it. It's a big structure. Provide some beds in there at night. Maybe you'll produce. <coughs> uh, I mean, the Methodist Church. Yes. <coughs> or even a community center during the day, so you can get people off the street. Maybe stop hanging downtown. So that's one thing, is open a center, take the responsibility away from Catholic services. Uh, just compound it, do, do a, I say Catholic services, Catholic diocese. Um, help them out. You should, it's, it's your residence, your city. All right, um, but affordable, I, I missed something. Like, affordable housing, all right. Are we doing enough there, what can we do? We, we, we have affordable housing. Um, but it, it's uh, what we have to do is, is what I noticed with affordable housing and housing there's a lot of people that have pensions and have budgets that uh, are pensions that are elderly and they want to get in affordable housing they no, more, no longer want to live in their houses but it's restricted to low income and, and we have to <coughs> change that a little bit so many other people that would, wouldn't mind leaving uh, leaving their homes, selling their homes, or passing it on to a relative and go ahead and move into housing. But that list is, is their way, they're chosen maybe the third or fourth option. Second thing is uh, landlords. You have to make them accountable. But what they some landlords don't know how to do is to get rid of their problem. So you need to assist them. Mr. Santos, <coughs> Mr. Santos may say, look, I don't know how to get these people out of here. This is how you get them out. And so we need to have some agents, some services to help landlords evict problem people. Some landlords are getting tagged by garbage and, and there's a disguised tax they keep getting fined over and over and over again. Mayor has said the city council hasn't given him a strong enough properties. <coughs> or is, is he right, or, or do you think that the council's been okay on that? It's tough to say because I bend a lot. I can bend. I can, you know. And I think that the mayor wants to have some kind of flexibility so he can help out a landlord. He wants to be able to do that. And when they're not communicating, every little thing or big thing gets critical. People start getting critical of each other. And the city council may say, you're not, you know, the mayor may say, they're not giving it. We, they get critical of each other for the littlest things. But if you talk to them about the same situation, they're going to give you a solution and say, well, we can do this, we can do that. There's a lack of communication between city administration and city council. So they're going to be critical of each other. Uh, Charlie, increased spending in the Bedford schools, particularly the turnaround plans, has led to pressure on property taxes. Uh, do you support the state's net school spending amount every year? Or how would you better control 
the growth in property taxes, including getting control of state mandates on employee health care and pensions. So on the one hand, you have the property taxes. On the other hand, trying to improve the schools to get them up to where they need to be. And okay. So we, you know, the net school spending is the... the school spending is, is, the state offers us 80 to 85%. That's a lot of money coming from the state. But like a, like a friend of ours says, state money is our money too. So they're giving us 85%, and we have to turn, put in 15 to 20%. Now, as a mayor, you can suggest, all right, we're going to give you 25% of the budget. You can increase it if you have the money to do so. I just think there's a lot of different ways that you can increase it and, and provide more more programs for the kids right within the school department and through city. I, mean, I would do that just on the, the mayor staff alone. That's the highest personnel that we had for a long time. It, the, the staff numbers are unbelievable. So I would take that money, whether it's 30, 40, 50, 60, sometimes $100,000, kind of transfer that to the school system. I don't need anybody to break my schedule and do it on my phone. I pay my phone $30,000 to do my schedule. Is that, there's uh, $40,000 for a driver, I think it is. Put that money in the school. There's so many things you can cut to add more money to the school department. It's across the board. I can't do it because I'm, be, I'm not behind that desk. Um, the, as far as the increases in taxes, it's gonna continue to happen. And it's gonna happen in my first year on board, my first month, it's gonna be an increase. And that's nothing to do with me, it has nothing to do with me. But whatever they're doing in 2016 and 17 is going to cause 2018 to have an increase. I don't have an answer for that right now because I don't have everything in front of me. For me to be at the smallest, you know, I'm, I'm radio, I'm a citizen right now, I'm a resident. I need to touch on those things real quick because people are hurting. When you have 12, you have 12 or 13 people buying houses in the same neighborhood, and over the course of uh, 10, 5, 10, 15 years, there's only one person out of that 13 people. Everyone has sold their property and left. Um, so I can't give you a solid answer until I get in place. I see things I'm not accessible to right now, um, but I, I know there's some cuts. I can start from the mayor's staff. That can that can produce a lot of money for the city. Um, there's five million dollars created through emergency services in the fire department. That was as of this past year. Like, I don't know what it is now, but it's probably far more. That five million dollars goes to the general fund. General, you can use that money and put it. Why not say 
$1.5 million of that $5 million goes to the school department. Why can't you say $1 million of it goes to EMS? $1 million goes to the fire department. And the other million or two, let's uh, work on the infrastructure. This tax revenue? This is, this is every emergency services money for the fire department? Yeah, would it uh, every transport to the hospital? Oh, that's $2,500. Yeah. It's totaled of $5 million last year. Yeah. That $5 million, I mean, it took and just put it in the general fund. You can designate that money and take it instead of it's going elsewhere. Where it's going, I don't know. But I know it's $5 million that was generated, and that's every single day. It's like a, it's just getting a debit card and that's money to the veterans because someone's going to have insurance or they're not going to have any insurance, whether they're on some kind of assistance, it's still going to be a mass health card that's getting swiped and the money's going to the city. It's money that's, that's a constant for our city. Where is it going? I don't know, but it can't go to the school department and, and, uh, and alleviate a lot of problems. And that staff at the Pratt building you have assistant to assistant to assistant. It's real excessive. That needs to stop too. Um, next question. Um, why why do you support or oppose the plan to develop part of the municipal golf course as an industrial park? How would you balance the needs for jobs versus the need for recreational opportunities for city residents? The golf course is just a second industrial park. The residents of that area from yesterday, from the back of yesteryear, they don't want it. The, uh, like I mentioned previously, there's a, there's a overpass at the top of the hill and there's an overpass on the bottom. And between those two overpasses is this proposed industrial park. Um, the, uh, what's gonna happen is not too many, several yards from that area is the dump. You're not just gonna dig on the golf course, you're gonna dig around the golf course. You have to create roads. So you start digging up that land, PCBs are gonna come up and we're gonna have the same problem that we had at Keith. The same complications that are coming up at New Bedford High School. All that solar power that's at the high school. Guess what? There was contamination in that ground. So they put the solar panels on it. What that does is, is digging up that land is going to produce some bad chemicals. And it's going to produce bad results going to stop that construction eventually. Residents don't want it. I didn't buy a house for 30, uh, get a 30-year mortgage for me to worry about traffic congestion and so on and so forth. Um, so when you talk about the contaminants and such, how do you know that there's contaminants in there? Because they have said that they're going to do soil studies to make sure that there aren't any in order to move forward. Yeah, and, the, and it's a dump. It doesn't take. It's a. It's a city dump, and it's not getting burned. It's getting dug, 
there's some burning and everything, but that dump, it's been there for decades. As long as I've been alive, I'm going to be 51 years old. So where is that? That it's staying right there. That waste is staying there. We can't keep digging it. And as it stays there, it goes sort of like the growth of a tree. As the tree goes up, the roots expand and grow just the width of the tree. That contaminants is in the ground. It's going to it's going to branch out. You can't dig over you do, it's going to produce what we have at Keith, and it's going to continue to, it's not going to be good for our city. Why can't you go to the north end with this wooded area that's undeveloped? And you can put the same amount of buildings that are on Hathaway Road, you can put it in Industrial Park, and they can still go a few day, yards down the road and access 140, Route 24. 95, just like they're talking about the industrial park and the, and the it's easy access. That's why they want it there, so you can go in and out of that second industrial park. Isn't, isn't a lot of the north end uh, the Great Pine Swamp? Mm -hmm. yes, yes. I was going to say the the EDC says that there's no more that that that, that yeah. the golf course is the only one. Are you saying that there are other or you, other places? In the industrial park, the north end, there's still paid spaces there. There's still space available too. to do this thing. You can or do one, it. one. Yeah, yeah, one of them. So the, uh, the the residents in that area just don't want it, and I don't think that it's it's uh, it's city property. And that may be the reason why they're easy to. It's, you can give it up easily. You know, you can give that golf course up. The city owns it going to be any purchase or sale or anything they're just going to go ahead and do it if, I'm sorry if there, if there isn't as much space as you believe in the north end in the business park left because I've heard that there's only one or two parcels and in fact that there could be some interest already I mean would you would you look to identify other places for future growth to kind of offset the need to increase taxes or would that make you reconsider yes I mean, you could do it you can start with uh, you can start with Eversource. You can start over there, you know, uh, big area. A lot of businesses down there. So I'm also, also a dirty site, though. Yeah, you, you would have to that clean that up. So that's the negative of it. You're going to have to clean it up. But guess what? We missed an opportunity with the casino. If we cleaned it up, we have a casino over there. Times could have sold their building at a bigger building. You know, there's a lot of things that could have happened, and we missed that boat. So it's uh, good, bad, and ugly with the casino. It's a whole lot better than what we have right now. This, this next question is kind of related to that. What are the biggest environmental problems in the city, and what are the biggest successes? What is working about our approach to the Harbor Cleanup, Parker Street Waste Site? brownfields in the year the city and what is not working okay. um, the harbor the Kushner River that is, I wish that was cleaned up that's that is so that would be so important to us if you kind of look at it there's factories that are empty down there. if 
that was cleaned up, there could be condos down there, there could be restaurants, there's a lot of things. It would actually bring some some uh, businesses or, or basically apartment, affordable apartments down there. I mean, look at it. Willis Cove is beautiful. You go down the line, everything looks beautiful. But when you go on the other side of the building, you have that stench, that smell. Yeah, you can walk around, but it's, that smell is nasty. So that's that's definitely a priority to me. Um, the Parker Street, um, all of it needs to happen because it's it's hindering us. It's hindering us as a city. That could be developed land. It could be a tax revenue. There's a lot of things that could go in there. They don't like seeing the elderly in these high-rise buildings. You know, they could be buildings on those properties. Yeah. Parker Street, there's only that one site left. Yes, right? it's just the one site. Yeah, they put in the dog park. <coughs> the, no. My uncle lived in that area, That's so it. yeah. it's uh, sad to see that they left there. You know, it, it, but it, they're doing it. But that stuff that they're fixing their problem. They're fixing things that they failed to address long ago. So the, that one site left in the Maskey Street, I think the plan is for a, a soccer field, is what they, they plan to cap it and put it. Yes. So you think, you're saying it could be developed? It, it could be? I like what they're doing now because it's a residential area and it, that appeals to the residents in there. Walking down the street, walk your dog around, you actually get some people that officially fat guys like me can walk around, you know. Do some good things over there, so that's a plus. Me too. And they capped it. <laughs> they capped it. So um, I wish every every area in the city was like Butler Park. We can walk around, do things. You know, so that's going to help out that area. We'll be able to have some foot traffic. What about the brownfields, like the the Morse Twist Drill property, or uh, some of the Aerovox property, property near there in the North End? Uh, those are just sort of sitting there for more uh, with moss that's my that's my neighborhood that's where I grew up um, I'd like to see something there some center some, uh, even if it's a center like the old compass bank you know it's an educational center or something something there so people in that area will have something to, to lay their their hat on somewhere to go um, don't, but don't they say it would be prohibitively expensive to, uh, that's why it hasn't been done, because it, yeah. it's in the bedrock and all. Like, uh, it's, it's, right now it's above my pay grade, and I would have to look into it, but I, I'd like to see something there. And how do you touch bad soil? Uh, what do you do? How do you get to it? It's going to cost money no matter what. City definitely has, has the hand. And me as an administrator, I would definitely have to look at it. We're crying over the tax money now, and now you're talking about 190 million dollars. I'm just taking a quick guess to clean it up. Um, it's going to cost a lot of money. It's it's not going to be you know 20, 30 million dollars. Definitely going to be a lot of money to clean that up, and it's going to hinder the residents over there. So, I 
that's my neighborhood too. Yes. My neighborhood too. And it worries me even now, and I'm a whole lot older than you, mm-hmm. that you know the EPA is capped. You know what the, you know apparently some people feel like they really did do a decent job. But you just gotta walk up the street to see two blocks. One is open. They tried to have a little garden, made me nervous. But the other one is fenced in. That immediate area has an incredibly high cancer rate. Yes. It's still a very active issue. And it's a very poor community. The reason I bring that up as an example is because the example I know best about, but all of these other examples across the city, many of them are in poor communities and the problem is just sitting and sitting, oh we did this, we did this, so we cap it. Um, I'm wondering, I'm not even exactly sure what my question is other than to say that it's a, it's a statement of fact that it's largely the poorer communities where um, EPA uh, hasn't done their best work. Yes. What do we do? What, is, what does the city do? What does this, the leadership of the city do? You know, to hold the other people's feet to the fire because it wasn't just the city of Bedford. In this case, I'm not, there's enough blame to go around. Yes. But the job's not done. It's not done on Bedford Street, where I exactly where I grew up, mm-hmm. and it's not done across from the high school. And, and you just go everywhere, even on the waterfront. Yes. You know, but yet caps are on it. It's done. Well, this is all we can do because it's too much money. No, no, that's just not acceptable. And I know it's not acceptable to you. I believe it's not acceptable to you. But how do you begin, above your pay grade, though it is, how do you begin to tackle something that enormous? It, it, if, it's, if it's something on, on, on my table, mm-hmm. and it will be, I have to address it. What can I do? You, it's no problem with me making people accountable, whether it's private businesses that were there, and make them accountable and produce some of those those monies that are needed to make it something different than a, a grassy field, uh, a, a shortcut to go from here to there. It needs to be something a whole lot more than that. Um, so. Well, I look forward to your solutions. All right. And solutions that are gonna generate mm-hmm. some revenue for the yes. city though. It would be nice to have a recreation center or a neighborhood center or whatever, but it, uh, it doesn't generate any money coming into the city. And I gather that you're not interested in anything going at the golf course. Where does the money come from? I, I, I appreciate, as an older person, I'm older than both of us, I'm older than everybody. But the, the taxes on my house, because of where I live, are high. Yes. And if they keep getting higher, I have nothing. I can't even get my sidewalk in front of my house that I have been in for 30 years paid. Yes. Simple things like that aren't happening. And I don't hear you saying anything that suggests that you're working to a turnaround which is very important, particularly since you're going to have uh, substantial turnover in the city council and substantial turnover in the school department. I'm interested in how you plan to work with a lot of newbies, so to speak, to make the situation in the city and in the school department change for the benefit of the city without costing me a lot more money. 
I did suggest something, and I suggested that the empty schools be turned over to some trade school, which creates revenue. So if you have the Phillips School, the Dunbar School, the Taylor School, that would just those, if they're owned by other people, that's a tax revenue that's coming into the city. That's new growth. It's new. So those are three things in three different areas. You put a for sale sign on it, you put it out there, they get sold. Now it's not the responsibility of the city to maintain whatsoever. If you give those to those, those schools or privately to some business, it's going to create tax revenue. The Cherry and Web Building creates $100,000. I see that, I know that. So if you sell those properties off instead of being the burden of the city, you sell it privately, you're not doing anything with it. So go ahead, sell it, there's tax revenue instantly. Whoever buys it's got to pay those taxes. So you get that money. That's three schools. There's different empty lots. Another solution I have is the Gifford Street program. It's, it, all it is is for someone to sit there and watch. Watch the water, guess what? Sell that off. Sell that area off, Gifford Street boat ramp, and let a business go in there. It may be another boat yacht, but it's revenue. Stop maintaining those certain lots. You don't need to. Pass it on, pass it on to the next person, and it creates revenue. That little lot, that's probably $35,000 a year. So I gave you four or five locations, and those are strong intentions. My buddy over here is not gonna let me, I'm gonna say a lot of things and he's gonna remind me over and over again. I talk about those schools all the time. If you get rid of them, then we won't have personnel there. Yeah. Just out of personal curiosity, do you have connections beyond the city confines that suggest there may be trade schools interested in those properties? I have some connections. And we're going to, this city's going to have more connections. Maria Giesta will get elected, and that's a connection to D.C. Um, the, there's other agency, there's other connections I have. What I need is the title. If I go to UTI right now and I'm uh, Charlie Perry candidate for mayor, no one's gonna listen to me. But if I go to him and I'm say the mayor, I'm the mayor of the city of New Bedford, I wanna talk to you about maintaining, taking over this building, purchasing it at a lower price, and now you run your school right here. I need the title need to earn the title. Once I get that title, there's a lot of things that I can do. Uh, so, believe me, I can't come in here and ask you for a lot of things. As a candidate, I come into this building and the things I was offered in this building was an ad for the newspaper. This and that, I can't get anything. I need to help you. For, right now, I can help you by financially but I need this title to do what I have to. Selling Gifford Street is easy. As a mayor of the city, I can say, we're selling that property. You go to someone, you say, sell that. Sell the schools, do different things. 
there's so many other places in the city that we can do that. Um, like I said, Cherry and Webb, hundred thousand dollars, and there's a lot of other parcels that you can sell that would cre create fifty thousand dollars or less. So that's new growth, and those are the things I would do. I think one of the aspects to jump off of that was the reason why the golf course is such a a site for that is because there's been studies, there's been to show how much tax revenue there is, how many jobs there are. Are there other sites that can produce that, or in, in you know, in your mind, that can produce that much tax, city taxes and jobs, and in, in, in an agreed field space where people don't have to come in and knock down and renovate something they can just immediately build? Okay. Let's see. In this area, thickly settled city, probably not too many more spaces. Um, and I know you mentioned Amazon before. That's. The, new, the second Amazon yes. they're, they're trying to get. So would that be something that you would be interested in too in terms of, you're talking about, you know, turning the back on Amazon the first time. Would, yeah. would you also, you know, not welcome them in the second time? So, and I know that's the long yeah. shot anyways, but just being out there. I would, if re, refusing Amazon is not an option. That would be political suicide, refusing Amazon to come into a city that needs the jobs, needs the revenue have to do that. Um, so so you get the golf course for Amazon? If it was Amazon, that's something. That's one company occupying a space. You could you could do that. And the residents in that area would probably absorb that. Um, to absorb what they're thinking about going in there, five different businesses. Um, we just don't want it. But I think I could sell the Amazon deal a whole lot better than they're proposing now. They're not, no one's talking, no one's being negative about titleists. When they were in the city working, they're not, they're not complaining about it because there's plenty of mortgages tied to titleists. And that would be the same thing with Amazon. People would be working there that has homes in the area, residents in the area that, so, Being at that place in Far River, I definitely know Amazon keeps it. Their property is well kept, and they treat their employees well. Andy, you had a question you wanted to ask. Yeah, because um, it's a big one, and we're almost ready to break here. But uh, I, do you think we're doing enough to combat the problem of opioid addiction in New Bedford? And uh, if not, what else should we be doing? We we have. Uh, um, I know the current administration had $80,000 and that $80,000 was taken back by the state because New Bedford failed to use it. $80,000. This current administration is not serious about it because they don't have a department head for the health department. If opiate epidemic is a problem, why isn't the department head of the health department in place? Why do you have an acting department head for the health department? So I'm more serious than he is because I would never let $80,000 go back to the state. Um, so that's the first thing. And the 
this epidemic is affecting all of us. There's someone in our, in our friendships, in our family, our kinship, that we can all identify as someone that's addicted by the opioids. I see that, I know it, and I would address it by using money from the state and making sure that $80,000 is used for outreach and make sure that I'm trying to save a life every day. Like I mentioned before and that the opioid crisis has to be, you have to have in place prevention and addiction simultaneously. They have to work together. As you're going into prevention, you need to go into the schools at an early level and explain to kids that taking, taking drugs is bad. So that needs to be in place. And also have addiction programs, addiction facilities where people would get it would be inpatient, outpatient. You would definitely need that in the city. Um, and that can happen, not just by the city. You can get, recruit and go out and get some agencies to come in and, and, and be that outpatient or inpatient facility so people can get housed. There's so many of them. Most of the counselors, we, well, most of the people who, addiction councils, not city councilors, that we spoke with uh, in round tables and meetings like this uh, said that one of the biggest problems is not having enough beds post, post the immediate detox. Uh, areas, places where people could stay for a longer term because uh, coming back from opioid addiction is much longer than a short-term fix. Yes. That there has to be a counseling that stretches down months and even years. Exactly. So where would you find uh, money or room or resources to try to get more beds and more uh, counseling like that? Um, what I would do is probably uh, look privately into, uh, into someone like South Coast or, or, or um, Tufts Medical. They want to come into this area so, so badly they really want to come into this area. Hmm. But what they have to be provided is a facility. So if you get someone like Tufts Medical that has the money, has the finances to say, all right, you want us in the city, we'll get there. But someone has to be proactive about it and reach and talk to their board to get them to establish a facility. The center, uh, Cape Verdean Cultural Center on, on the Cushion Avenue. Tufts Medical was willing to go in there and help all the people just to endorse their medical program. All they needed was a facility. And that money would, that money, uh, they needed a facility and need to be open full time during the day so people can go in and out of there. And that's from one of their outreach workers that, that talked to me. I wish, I wish that the cultural center was open and there was proper heating and lighting in there because they would be right here on the Cushion Avenue. They, they could come down here and help us. There's a lot of other medical institutions that would come down here and help us. But one, it makes them look good. It produces revenue for them, and it also curbs our problem down here. So, um, that's easy. But I'm, I'm a notch above the current man right now comes to this because I would have never gave back $80,000. I would have found something. I would have found a 
reach, I would have found people downtown anywhere. What, what program was that 80,000 for? That was given to, that was given to Brenda Wise. Um, and they didn't properly use that. And she's part of the health department. She's gone now. Yeah, okay. but it was given to her and it was taken back. Um, so that's from employees within that. As it is, you can look on the city website. We have an acting health department. And you know, head, we why is it acting? There's a problem here. Why can't you fix that? Why can't you hire anybody? I'm pretty sure all of us on this table could find someone that would run their health department and, and very capable. We have New Bedford people that are traveling here to go to Boston. But I'm pretty sure if that was up, up for, uh, you know, for uh, hiring, we would have several of those New Bedford people applying for that job, so they would only have to go to work a mile down the road and still be here in New Bedford. So. <coughs> um, you made it through our entire list. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> Being very gracious to answer. I, I, I think we're all set, right? Are we good? Yeah. Uh, we, we covered sorry. a lot, and we appreciate it. So. It's an honor to be here. Whether you for me or against me in, the, in your endorsement, no big deal. November 7th, you guys know, we'll find out I'll be the next mayor and we're going to work together. You know, I'm tired of Mike calling my house, so I'm going to have to call here. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's not going to be an honor in two years when I'm bugging you. <laughs> it's a, I'm, I'm going to enjoy it now. <laughs> well, I always say, if I, don't, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to find the answer. I'll say, I don't know isn't an answer for me. I'm going to find that answer and get back to you. Whether it's for you or against you, against you but I'll find it. Okay. Thank you. Thank Excuse you my appearance. Um, next time I'll come in a shirt and tie. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you work. Then I'll have to wear one too. No. <laughs> <laughs>